Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday, Haley. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday, Dan. You're all listening to the Repcolite Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. I'm Dan Hansen. I'm Haley Johnson. And before Haley gets running with her topic, she's got a topic all planned for this very first segment. Yes, it relates to a topic that we talked about last right. week. Right. Now, that topic from last time was something I brought to the table, so it's that part's good. <laughs> but if you do have to go to the bathroom, now's the time. Oh, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But before we get to that, I've got something I want to start with because I thought it was hilarious. I don't normally you know, laugh out loud when I'm watching a video or watching something sure. you know, on TV. Sure. If it's funny, do you laugh like internally? I laugh internally. I chuckle... Like silent laugh. Silent laughter, right. I don't like people to know what I'm thinking, so <laughs> keep it all inside. Oh but I stumbled on a news story and watching the video, and that's the problem with telling a story on the radio. The video was what really sold it and made it funny. But here's the scoop. Here's the premise. I love it. It's England, and maybe a lot of you have seen it. This was a viral thing from a few years back before I was really big on the internet, you know, big on Spending time on the internet. Still not big on the internet, internet. right? No, no, (laughs) never going to happen, and that's fine. Anyway, I stumble on the story of this poor guy loses his job. And so he's applying for jobs, and he gets an interview lined up, all right, with the BBC to do some kind of IT role. So he goes to the BBC, and he's all ready for this interview, all dressed up, ready to go. And somebody shows up with a clipboard and says, are you ready? And he says, well, yes, I'm ready. And she said, all right, come with me. We've been waiting for you. You're a little bit late. And he thought, well, no, I'm, I, I, I thought I was on time, but oh, no, I really need this job. Okay. So they haul him into an area and they set him down at a little table and they put a microphone on him. And he's thinking, what is this is the strangest job interview I've ever been on. And all of a sudden, this lady sits down at a, at a table next to him and she's all mic'd and ready to go. Somebody counts down three, two, one and points at the lady and she says, well, good evening, everybody. We're talking. Uh, oh, and yes, it's a news broadcast. And they've completely gosh. mistaken him for somebody else. <laughs> she goes on and on about some Apple thing with uh, with Beatles, Apple Corps, the Beatles company, and Apple, iTunes, having a little bit of a conflict. There's a court case going on. And she lays that all out and says, what do you think? And then gives the guy's name. And it's not the guy's name. And when his face, when she <laughs> says that and asks him, His face is priceless. It's just a quick double take. He's trying to stop her, but he realizes this is live TV. He's on air. So he just rolls with it, answers the question. Seriously? Yes, keeps running through. He's got an IT background, so he kind of has some answers for it. Oh, wow. I will put a link in the show notes because that double take. I don't know what I would have done. I'd have just wept. I would have let people know what I was thinking, and it would have been fear and (laughs) horror. (laughs) I just can't imagine. I thought the I guy handled it so well. I would have rolled with it. I, I don't know what I would have done. Yeah, you know what? The the bottom the, the the worst case of or the worst part of the whole thing is he ends up going to his job interview later yeah. and doesn't get that either. Oh. Yeah, so it's a real letdown for him. But he did have a few minutes he on was the on internet. TV, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> yes, it was TV and now it's the internet. So right, it's still yeah. living on. Double famous. I didn't want to take too much time, but I saw that. Wrong place, wrong time. Thought it was hilarious. Haley, what do you want to talk about? And it's <laughs> it's tied to something that I talked about, which means it's very near and dear to my heart, yes. p- potentially. It relates to your smart humidifier. Okay. Because you mentioned, you know, all the terrible things that can happen because of dry air. Right. One Leprosy. And remember, everybody? My <laughs> children. The leper doctor. <laughs> yeah, my children were so disappointed that oh I had done gosh. that. 
Um, but no, one of the things that you talked about was how the dry air can affect our furniture and actually cause the wood furniture to crack, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not sure. getting enough water in the air. And that same thing can happen to our cutting boards, to leather furniture. Anytime the humidity drops in our spaces for that long winter month or four. Month? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was going to say. It's like four months. Yeah, it yeah. feels like it. So, so what do we do? I mean, the humidifier helps. The humidifier helps, but we probably don't all have humidifiers. And even if we do have one, it's probably not humidifying all of the areas of our homes mm-hmm. and keeping all of our furniture and cutting boards and everything beautiful. Okay. So you're actually supposed to maintain this stuff during winter months once a month. All so right. So like oiling your cutting board, moisturizing other any leather furniture once a month. I'm not doing any of that. What am I oiling my cutting board with? Like vegetable oil <laughs> type stuff? I mean, I guess you could. There's like special cutting board oil. It's like a mineral oil, but you have to, it should say cutting board oil on the bottle. Mm-hmm. You can find it, you know, in a lot of different places. Probably at the grocery store, you're going to see it. I can't but... even find the normal things at the grocery store. <laughs> I could spend six days looking for tapioca. Oh I did that gosh. once. So I didn't stay six days. got to go you to know. the pudding aisle, Dan. No. It, well, I don't remember where. <laughs> Maybe. But it wasn't in the box I was expecting to find. So if you're not a good finder, and yeah, you know who you are, help me. Yeah, bring somebody <laughs> or order with you. it online. There right. we go. You know, so, just use the internet. Oil my friend. cutting board. What other things do I need to do? The other thing would be, you know, moisturizing any wood furniture. So this would be wood furniture that's not necessarily like lacquered or painted. You know, that's just sealed in. That's not going anywhere. Okay. But anything that's waxed wood or oiled wood. That needs to be maintained throughout those winter months. So what am I oiling that with? Not so... just myself as I sweat <laughs> while playing video games or something. Like furniture po- furniture polish or like the furniture wax. Okay, so maintain that. Keep yep, up on it. Exactly. Once a month is what you're supposed to be doing during those winter months. And then, again, leather furniture. Yeah, that's the one I'm really interested in. I don't have any, but <laughs> should I ever have leather furniture? Well, and it's expensive, right? <laughs> That's why so, I don't have any. Exactly. So if you do have it and you're not doing this, you've spent all of this money and potentially you're like cutting the life of it in half because you're not maintaining it. So what do we do for the leather? So for the leather, you can either buy a cleaner that also is a two-in-one and has the conditioner in it, kind of like a two-in-one shampoo, right? Okay. okay. <laughs> or you can find the separate cleaner, get it all cleaned, and then you would condition it after the furniture has been fully cleaned. How long does it have to sit before I can use it again? Um, so, okay, let's say you clean, you know, vacuum the furniture real quick. You're getting a cleaner on there. You do that whole process. You let it dry out fully. Then you're conditioning it with the leather furniture moisturizer. Mm-hmm. You want to let that sit after you've rubbed it all in and wiped off any excess after 30 minutes. Let that sit for like at least an hour before you're sitting on the furniture okay. so that you're not like staining your clothes. All right. All right. So I'm going to need to keep one chair unconditioned <laughs> for resting in between yes. while I wait for the other chair But even, you know, if ready. you don't have leather furniture, like nope. you, you do have a leather coat. I know I've seen one of those. You've probably got a leather bag. All of those things. You think they're real leather? You think yeah, I sprung for that? Yeah, your leather coat is for sure real leather. So even that's going to be wrecked if I don't rub yes. oils on it and yep. sweat doesn't count. 
<laughs> Sweat does not count. Okay. No. I mean, it's got salt in it. It's, it's drying yeah, it out, too. That's true. That is true. I am salty. <laughs> <laughs> I just finally learned what that meant. The kids always throw that term around. Oh, really? Dad, stop being so salty. Oh, my gosh. I don't know what that means. I figured it meant I was sweaty. <laughs> We're going to put links in the show notes for all of these little products and all of the things that Haley yes, talked about. I've got a whole process for you to look at. So you're doing it right. And yeah, it's all just right. a really good thing to be doing right Conditioning now. Conditioning your furniture and other things. Mm-hmm. More work for you. Brought to you by the <laughs> Repco Light Home Improvement Show. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll be talking about Guard's Problem Surface Sealer. What is it? What does it do? We'll tell you in just a minute. Stay tuned. Well, Haley, have you ever removed, let's say, the baseboard or maybe a backsplash in a kitchen, pull that off, or maybe even, um, I know it really happens often with a toilet paper roll holder. You know, mm. you pull that off the wall and you end up ripping the drywall paper. You know, you pull that face paper off and you rip a big chunk off and, and now takes, you're like, down. It takes the paint and everything with it. paint and everything <laughs> with it. You're left with that brown paper, you know, the backer paper kind of of the drywall. No, but I've got a ton of this to fix in my garage. We put up the drywall. I talked about that a while back. Sure. And Jordan, my husband, is he's very sweet. <laughs> okay, but there's a big but, but coming here. He can be a little clumsy. And he knocked a couple of these pieces of drywall into things as he's moving them sure. through the door. And he's gouged the drywall to the point where... All of the papers exposed, and I'm just looking at this thinking it's going to be a huge mess. Right. So you've got the brown paper exposed, and, you know, maybe people at home are thinking, well, you just mud over that and you're good to go. But you can't. You're listening to the Repcolite Home Improvement Show, and it's lucky for you that you are, if that's what you're thinking, because we're going to tell you what can go wrong with that (laughs) and how to fix it. So first off, I guess let's talk about what could go wrong with that. Why can't you just mud over that brown paper, make it nice and smooth again, and, it's and then just go, go right? Because the face paper's paper. Right. What's different? Well, the face paper will resist moisture better. Exactly. And that brown paper is going to suck up the water from your mud. If you mm-hmm. put drywall compound over that, it can suck that water up and you'll get rippling. It will actually bubble exactly. right up. Sometimes, you know, it doesn't happen immediately. Right. But, but within 30 minutes or so, you could have a big mess going on. Yeah. And it's not something that you can just sand over and then reapply more mud because the same problem will just keep happening over and over and over right. again. No, it's really frustrating when it happens when you're working with drywall because you've got to let all of that stuff dry at that point. Yeah. Cut out all these bubbles. Right. Take care of it the right way and then do all your mudding and all of that over again. So... That's why you don't want to just throw mud over top of this brown drywall paper. Will it happen every single time? Probably not every single time. No, because you've gotten lucky before. I have gotten lucky because I didn't realize years back that I was even walking a razor's edge. (laughs) (laughs) I was clumsy like you talked about with your husband. Uh And I just went and mudded over it and I got lucky. You may get lucky. And maybe in the past you've gotten lucky and the thing is, you could do a whole room and you might have no problems except in a couple of areas. Right, it's not going to yeah. be necessarily wholesale it's failure. It's like Russian roulette. The big thing is it is like Russian roulette. <laughs> and and it's one of those games you don't want to play no. because if you do lose, you lose big. Exactly. So let's talk about what you can do. And what you need to do is seal that brown paper before you go to any right. joint compound or drywall mud or anything like that. Exactly. And there are a number of options out there to seal it with. Some oil-based products, some 
white, white pigmented, pigmented shellac. Yeah, both stinky. Both require you know a fair amount of solvent to clean up that stuff, and it's not ideal. There's a specific product though that's called Guards. G A R D Z. Yes, and it is essentially made to do exactly what we're talking about. Among other things, Guards is a really interesting product. It's called a problem surface sealer. It's from Zinzer. And it does a lot of different things. You know, it will, oh man, Haley, what is the list? I'm trying to find their list of things because I don't want to miss anything. It seals the residual paste left over after you've stripped wallpaper, right? You can strip that wallpaper off and sometimes you'll still have like the glue left mm -hmm. behind a little bit. You should still clean the glue, but this will go over that and make sure everything's locked down. Right. The problem with that is glue, the, the wallpaper paste residue that's left on the wall is water activated. If you put a water-based product, a normal right. water-based paint over that or primer, right. it can reactivate that paste. You'll get texturing and it's a problem. Guards will go over that and seal it in. It's a chalk binder. If you've got a chalky surface, you can put it over that and it will right. bind everything down. It does a lot of different things. But one of the things it will do really well is seal in this brown paper so that you can actually do your, you know, your, your repair work over top of it without worrying about any of this bubbling. Right. And it's kind of unique, too. It's not you know, pigmented like we think of normal primers as. It's almost clear. It's kind of milky in the can and then it dries clear. It's still kind of smelly, but it is water-based. So at least the cleanup is easier. Right. The cleanup's easy. It is a little stinky. Like Haley said, um, it's not going to be fumes in the same regard that the oil-based right. or the solvent-based products yeah. that we talked about are, but it, it's not terribly fun to work with in that regard. So what do you do with it? How does it work? You know, how would you approach a situation? Let's just focus on a quick concept of a project and let's talk about removing baseboard. Yeah, because I think that's a really common issue. With right. That. It happens a lot. And here's the deal. A lot of the times when you paint your baseboard, you know, over the years, mm -hmm. you just paint it over and over again. You've got caulk sometimes that right. uh, yep. run along the edge of where the baseboard meets the wall. Paint film will stretch over that or bridge that as well. It yep. will go from the trim to the wall to some extent. And then you go and you start peeling or getting that baseboard pulled apart from the wall, and then you just pull the big piece off. And sometimes if you don't run a razor to along- To separate them fully. Right, to score that, yeah. to cut through that film, you can actually, that film will stay intact and it will rip straight up the wall. And you can pull big chunks of your drywall face paper right off with your trim. It's a real Ooh, bugger when it happens. Nobody's mess. happy. Yeah. Everybody weeps. But if that happens to you, we've got to fix. So let's say that's what you did. You just went through the room, ripped all that stuff. You've got all this face paper or this- Face paper gone, brown paper exposed. It's yeah. kind of curling. It looks right. bad. What do you do? Well, you can't just paint over it because nope. it's uneven. Right. You gotta exactly. Fix that. You can't just mud over it to make it even because we told you why not. <laughs> right. So you've got to go ahead and get this guard. So run out to Repcolite or drive out, walk out, take a cab, take an a Uber, cab <laughs> you know, whatever you need to do to get there. Get guards and then get home and you're ready to go. So you should probably get some sandpaper. And go over very lightly. Yes, very lightly smooth all of that out. Like any of the little pieces of paper that are curling or running still, you want to get that under control. Sand it so it's a nice smooth surface. You know, you can use a putty knife and kind of knock down those edges a little bit. And if it's still running, you know, it's just every time you hit it with the sandpaper, you're creating and a new little keeps peel. keeps up, right? Sometimes <laughs> you'll be taking more face paper exactly. off by doing that. You can score with a razor along, you know, just make a little box, essentially. You're scoring a box around that paper where it's curled up, and then it won't curl past that line that you've right, made. Right, right. That's a good fix if it just keeps 
unraveling yeah. as you go. So do that. Get all of that off. You do that light sanding to get it relatively smooth. Yep. You're not trying to get every little piece off, but just smooth it down. Exactly. And then go ahead and roll that area with the guards. As we mentioned earlier, it's going to go on kind of milky. It's going to dry in about three hours to a really hard right. clear finish that actually looks pretty cool. Bring out the color in that brown paper. <laughs> you might think. That's the goal. Let's yeah. go with that. But you don't want to leave it like that. But it will, once it's once it's dry, be yeah. a very hard surface. And now you can go back and get the rest of those little curled pieces off because everything that's not completely smooth at that point is going to be really easy to knock off. So yep. you could take a putty knife. You know, a big joint knife for the sure. drywall and zip over it. That will take most of those edges off. Again, you could sand it. Yeah, just do a light sand. And then you're ready to go over it with that mud or with the joint compound, just like you would originally want to do. Yeah, so do as many coats as you need to with the drywall compound, you know, sanding in between, feathering it out, all of that. When all of that is dry and you've finished that part of right. it and done your sanding and all of that, then you just go ahead and prime those areas and then put your finish paint over top. You could just hit those areas with one coat of your finish paint first just to seal them up. Most yep. finish paints are going to function as a primer. That's in true. that instance, we would certainly say that paint and primer all in one, which is going to be any of our high-end water-based products, work just fine on that. Get one coat on that patched area first to kind of get it exactly. equated and equal to the yep. other areas. You still want to seal it up. And then go ahead and roll over top of everything else. Now, we know that you're probably not going to remember all of those steps. Our main goal here is just to let you know that if you've got that brown paper exposed, like Haley yes. does in her garage. It's a problem, and there are steps to take. And now you know that you can't just jump right into this, you know, and go nuts with your joint compound in mud right away. There are things to do before that that are going to ensure it's a good finished product. Right. And if you want to revisit the steps or you've got a similar similar situation or who knows what, it's an entirely different situation going on. Just stop out at any RepcoLite store. Tell us what you're working on, what you're struggling with. Chances are, I mean, we've been doing this since 1946. <laughs> There's a really good chance we've seen your problem. And if if we haven't, and if you've got a new one. You get well, like a medal or something. That's going to be pretty exciting, yeah. too. So just stop out at any <laughs> store. Tell us what you're working on. We'll get you the right answers. All right. We're going to take a break. And our Grand Rapids listeners are going to get news and all of that at the bottom of the hour. Yep. The Detroit listeners are going to get a Repcolite Rewind. And when we all get back together again, <laughs> we're going to be in the studio with John Petoskey, our Benjamin Moore rep from the Metro Detroit area, talking about something that he is convinced will give you flawless results on every paint project. That's all just ahead. Stay tuned. And we're back. Solving paint problems that you may not have even known you had. This is the Repcolite Home Improvement Show, and right now, Haley and I are in the studio with John Petoskey, our Benjamin Moore Territory Rep, out of the Detroit metro area. John, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we've got him tied into a chair. John wasn't terribly excited <laughs> to be on the radio. Uh, he came down to visit, came over to visit, yes, I guess over. I should say, from the Detroit area, and... I thought we'd communicated that we were going to do a radio segment. John was not on the same page as I was, and he was oh, a little surprised oh. to find out that... It was all an act. Oh, it was an act? It was all an act, yeah. Really? 
Oh my goodness! You burned I'm me. Kidding. Okay, that, no, I'm kidding. See now, I don't even know what John's playing for. Dan's reality has just exploded. I have no idea what's happening. All I know is John's here. I've just met you uh, because Repcolite bought the Technicolor paint stores in Detroit, right? And those are now Repcolite stores. Getting the signs up soon. All of that's coming, and Repcolite's got 15 locations. And everything is kind of a little crazy right now. Yeah, And we're meeting all these new people, the people from the Technicolor stores. You know, our our audience has heard Kevin Herman, our, you know, the West Michigan Territory rep from Benjamin Moore multiple times. You're kind of the counterpart to Kevin. You know, you're like good Kevin versus evil Kevin or something. You know, it's, it's like that. And I guess East John, or yeah, it could yeah, be like I guess Batman Kevin. and Robin. Like, right, why does true, one have to be good and true. bad, Dan? <laughs> I see only in black and white. Anyway, John, let's talk about you a little bit, and then we want to get to something that you feel is a process that's not being passed down to the next generation generation of painters. It's something older generations did, newer ones aren't, and you think it, it's kind of a prep work, kind of a a process that happens through the painting process, right. and it will produce. Really good results. results. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not happening. So we're going to talk about that, make the case for it. But before we do that, I guess just introduce yourself a little bit to the audience. How long have you been at Benjamin Moore? How long have you been in paint? Should we even listen to what you have to say? (laughs) All of that stuff. Do you know what you're talking about, John? Uh, um, Yep. So I've been with Benjamin Moore for eight years. And before that, I worked for another uh, paint company for maybe roughly 16 years. Like in a paint store? Um, both, yeah. And I've worked in paint stores, and, and I've also worked in outside sales okay, you know, okay. For, for other companies. Um, and then I was a contractor prior to that. All right. Okay. So you've been painting for ages. Yeah. And ages and ages. Since I was 18, yeah. Wow. All right. So, yeah, I have no idea how old you are. I'm not going to ask. Yeah, we didn't add that up. We should no. have been keeping a tally. Yeah, I oh, could have yeah. probably figured out the math. <laughs> anyway, you've been doing this for a long time, and there's something that you've seen that's a process that used to be employed on a regular basis, not so much anymore, and it's pole Correct. sanding. And yeah, I guess just talk about why is it important? What is it? Let's start with that. What is it first? What are you talking about when we say pole sanding? Yeah, pole sanding would be basically prepping the wall in between each coat of, of paint that's applied. Um, All right. So let's paint it for, uh, let's paint a picture for the customer. Oh, the <laughs> listener. Not what I meant to do. That's just too punny. No, let's say I've got a wall that's that already painted and I'm going to put a new coat of paint on. You would say that before I put that coat of paint on, part of my prep work, you know, I would wash the wall perhaps, mm-hmm. do things like that. You're saying I should pole sand yes, that wall. Pole sand the wall. Now, you know, there's sanding where you hold a piece of sandpaper with your hand. Sure. Um, and, you, and you can sand patchwork and things like that. Pole sanding is where, you know, a, a piece of sandpaper is wrapped around a, a pole sanding head. Um, it's usually 150 grit or 180 grit. And it, it's used to knock off any um, fuzzies that were left over from, you know, the lint from the roller cover. Um, like from that previous paint job. Uh, yep. From the previous paint job. It could be even from your... Your paint job, right? You know, maybe because we're talking about doing this in between each coat in between as well. Every coat of paint, it should, right. be, it should be done in between every coat of paint. So I've got um, this sanding head with 150 grit paper, something like that. Got it on an extension, extension pole. Extension pole, yeah. And I'm just zipping it up and down the wall. Now the sanding head Sounds like pivots, a yeah. It, so it's yeah. really easy to to work with. How long Simple. do you think you can do a room? A 12 by 15 room might take 
three to five minutes. It's kind of like a Swiffer, you know, like that's that's exactly what it looks like. Don't confuse it with a Swiffer and and clean your hardwood floors (laughs) with a pole sander. (laughs) That that really blow. Does not do the same thing. Yeah, that's on you if that happens. But so, yeah, it works really easy. You can zip over the wall. So let's say, like I said, I've got a painted room. Maybe, you know, there's, there's roller stipple and, and all kinds of little fuzzies and stuff on the wall. So I'm going to zip over that with my pole sander. Wipe the wall down, I'm assuming. Yep. Right. Like I've got to get all the dust, dust off. A yep. looser dust mop or, or microfiber cloth. Now, we should quickly talk about that dust mop. Uh, it's not, I don't know that we've covered it on no, the show before. No, I don't before. think we've talked it, about it. It's a triangular head. Mm-hmm. Again, snaps onto an extension pole. And it's got like all these little, not bristles. It's like a sponge, like a like a floor dust mop. It's got these little. What are they? I'm at a complete loss fibers. for words. They're just, yeah, they're, they're, they're fibers, Dan. Okay, I, well, but I try to make it more complicated. Dust. I think they attract dust as well, kind of like a Swiffer does. Yes, it has some type of that. Um, I don't know how to say it. I think the, it locks um, it static. in. Static. Yeah. yeah, I attract dust too. Dust, <laughs> dirt, oh things like that just clings to me. But yeah, that happens on this. You can zip over the wall. You use it for drywall as well. Drywall sanding. Drywall sanding. Yeah. Stuff like that takes that dust off. If you've got one of those, that's super fast. And we've got them at the stores. Stop out and ask about them. That's from Wooster. And yeah, you just swing into the store house. and ask about that dust mop for the walls. If you don't have that, a microfiber rag, yeah. something like that. You got to get the dust off, though. Yeah, if you go and sand just... it and then roll paint over top of that, you just made it way worse. <laughs> yeah, way worse. <laughs> All right, so yeah. now I'm going to throw my fit, my first coat of paint on. You would pull sand right again after yeah, that's after dry, that's right? Dry, yeah. yeah. Really important be, to let that dry. Yeah, there might be some lint that got stuck in there from a roller cover. Again, some dust might have been floating around in the air and get stuck on the wall. You have this beautiful wall, and there could be two pieces of, you know, schmutz on there. and you know, schmutz? schmutz. That's a that's yeah. a technical term. It's a technical that, that, term. That is. <laughs> For um, what? I think that started in the maybe the sixties. All right, all right. <laughs> so it's all I'm the kidding. little junks and st- little chunks of things that are on the wall could yeah. get on the wall. Yeah, yeah. Little paint boogers, you know. Oh, Haley, you always got to go there, don't you? <laughs> you always do. Yeah, we'll and stick we're with not schmutz, machines, please. You know, we're not machines. We're not rolling things out go. perfectly, especially if we're not experienced painters. If we're not loading our rollers correctly and pushing too hard throughout that painting process, now we get these little ridges that build up on the sides. And you see all of that when the paint is dry. And it's extremely noticeable, especially in the right lighting. You start to get little shadows that you can actually see exactly what we're talking about. Super obvious, and it's not attractive. And that, that, that's what flashing is when people say things are flashing. It's, it's, it's light casting shadows um, on, on the stipple, which the stipple is the bumpiness of paint when it's rolled on. Um, and if it's rolled thicker here or thinner there, mm-hmm. well, it's going to cast more shadows over here and less shadows over there. All right. um, so so pole so, sanding evens out the stipple. That's what I was going to get so, at. Yeah, we're in the studio with John Petoskey, the Benjamin Moore territory rep, one of them out of the metro Detroit area. Yes. John is... New to us, we're just getting to know you, and you're just getting to know us, and you're trying to understand what we're doing in this <laughs> room right you now. Into this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> threw you right into this interview, and yeah, yeah, talking about the pole sanding and how important that is on your project because you've talked about rooms. I've got rooms in the house, but you've talked about a couple specifically. You don't have to go into the details, but yeah. where you actually could touch the wall that they had just had painted. And it's almost like sandpaper. Yeah. It's just there's so much going on. If you want that smooth finish, 
a really nice feel and nice look. Right. This is a really relatively quick step in the process. It's, it's a necessary step, yeah, for adhesion. Uh, it helps paint it here. Um, it gets rid of the, you know, unsightly schmutz or the, the fuzz <laughs> oh, or yeah. lint. Um, and it just ensures the best look. It evens out the stipple, like Haley was saying. So, you know, it, it should be done in between every coat of paint because we don't know when those things might occur. Um, and it even could be that you know, some paint dried up on the lid, um, fell into the paint. Right. Then it, you know, then it got rolled on the wall. Maybe we missed it. Could be um, that somebody didn't clean the corners very well. Not naming names, but <laughs> perhaps I've done that once or twice. But I, I was taught this, you know, when I started painting. Um, so it was like common timers. practice. Everyone was doing this when you oh, started. Yeah. 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 I mean, you had to. If they caught you not doing it. You, What'd they you do were... to you? <laughs> um, like old school punishments were hardcore. <laughs> I'm always really interested in this stuff. Like, did they smack you? Um, no, they just. Dump you in paint. I don't know. They berate you a little bit. A little more stern. They were, they were pretty stern. And as yeah. a, you know, a They were from kid, the old country. They, oh they, knew. They, they knew. They'd seen stuff. Yeah. But if that's not passed down to the younger painters, they, some people don't even know what a pole sander is. No. So um, I've looked at many of these jobs that have these problems on the wall. They could be rectified by a quick pole sanding. Again, 12 by 15 room. Well, John, I think you're going to bring it back. A couple minutes. You know? That's the plan um, anyway. That's, that's, that's John's intent. Yes. To bring it back. Now, I know the argument is going to be, well, that's, it's too much time. Takes too much time. Even though you said it was quick, I don't want to. I just washed the extra. walls. I barely washed them as it was. Yeah. I don't want to have to wipe them down multiple times. All of that stuff. And yet we would argue that you're putting all the time in. You're investing in quality paint. Right. You've bought quality tools, hopefully, and then to not take that extra, you know, totally. 20 minutes on a whole project, a half hour on a project, an hour on a whole project, that's just a one and out. Once it's done, it's done. Yeah. And you can enjoy it for and years. And once it's a part of your routine, too, it no longer feels like extra, right? I think that's the difference is that because we're not doing it right now, it feels like, well, now it's this extra step, but... It wasn't for you. It was just part of the painting process. So it didn't feel like you were doing extra work. It was just built into the job. Right. Built into the job. I mean, no. Yeah. The, the contractors are not just painters. They're chemical applicators. So it, it, looking at it that way, you know, everything that you do to make turn this job into the best possible job right. is the best case scenario. Yeah. And I think it benefits anybody doing projects on their own. Absolutely. Definitely something to think about. And if you have questions, further questions about exactly what we just talked about, the importance of pole sanding, whether you want to. Oh, I, I do want to ask before I say yeah. all of that, making <laughs> dramatic shifts. I almost snapped my spine. <laughs> I was dramatically shifted. What about just going to a better roller cover? You talked about because Haley brought that up in some conversations before we even went on the air. I think you've answered some of that. But there could be people think, thinking, well, I'm just going to go to a mic microfiber roller cover. Well, so I won't have the lint or, right. you know, those wash out the roller cover so I won't those. have to do it. Still have to prepare that roller cover. It still could leave off lint and, and fuzzies and stuff yeah. like that. Yep, that's potential. But another big part of the problem that we addressed, mm -hmm. just for those people who are thinking that, is we don't always apply paint evenly. evenly. You right. know, we're not machines. We can't do it perfectly every yeah. time if we get those ridges that Haley talked about earlier. Yeah. This will eliminate all of that. It's a really nice safety step to make sure you've done everything you can to get the best possible results and it can really pay off. So if you do have questions about that or anything else paint related, 
Swing out to any RepcoLite store, talk to the people there. We'll get you the answers you need. John Petoskey, Benjamin Moore Rep, out of the Detroit area. Yeah, thanks for being here. Thank you. (laughs) All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking about trim, the anatomy of trim, all the different names for all the different things in your house. All the words you're misusing. Yes, we'll hit that next. Stick around. Well, Haley, I think a lot of us use terms, you know, we think we know what something means, and then we use it a lot. Well, let's just make it personal. I'll talk about me. (laughs) I have a tendency to mostly use the right term. I mostly Mostly. know what I'm talking about. I always think I know what I'm talking about, and there's this big, you know, it's a smallish section of time, but it's really dramatic when it happens where I will use a term that I think means one thing, Mm -hmm. but in fact, most of the time, it means something else, and that something else is kind of sketchy. (laughs) And everybody else is aware that there's this really... Oh, my gosh. Alternative meetings. Yeah, to what I'm saying. And I don't realize it. I have no intention of saying anything that's... so painful. Yeah, that shouldn't be shared in polite company, but there I am talking about stuff that makes... That's usually when I'm kicking you. Yeah, people are blushing. (laughs) They're embarrassed. Anyway, you're listening to the RepcoLite Home Improvement Show, and we're talking about terms being used incorrectly. That's where I was trying to go with that. And I think one place that we all do that, or at least most of us probably do, is when it comes to the different pieces of trim Mm -hmm. in our house. You know, the anatomy of the the trim in the house. I think the architecture in general. We just think we know the words for these things, and we're using a lot of them incorrectly, it turns out. Well, and I know when I had my house and I was working on stuff and I was working with somebody at our Lakewood store who really knew construction back and forth, and I would come in and I would talk about terms, I'd get so nervous because- Because they're going to point it out if you get it wrong. Right. And, oh, I didn't know exactly what this was or what that was. Well, anyway, if that's you, if you've ever struggled with, well, what is- what, what is, is the door called? jam exactly? Right. Or how about a window stool? Do you know what that is? If you don't know what that is, we're going to give You're you all of to. those answers. Right. We're going to get to that. And it's important because it's always good to know. Yeah. It's nice to have words for things. <laughs> <laughs> it makes communication easier. Yes. All right. So let's start with some easy ones and then we'll work our way through. And we can't hit all the different pieces of trim. No. Nope. We're going to hit what we thought were kind of our favorites or some of the most interesting ones. So let's just start easy. Crown molding. Crown molding. It's that thing way up there. It's where the wall wall meets meets the the ceiling. ceiling. Right. Generally, or in the past, its whole original purpose was to kind of bridge that or hide that gap where the wall met the ceiling. Exactly. In case things weren't perfect there, we'll just put crown up there and, oh, it all looks amazing. That's exactly why I installed any crown in any situation that I ever did. 100%. (laughs) I did the other work and I knew it was subpar, but if I could put crown up. Yeah, it's great. You just cock that edge now and it's all beautiful. It's It's funny. You knew what you were doing. Yeah, it's funny that I couldn't get the drywall edge just right, but Mm -hmm. somehow I figured I could install crown. I know. Which Without is really a problem. Difficult. <laughs> <laughs> so in the end, it never worked for me. But that was its point. Now it's yes. become very decorative. Right. But that's crown molding. All right. Baseboards. Really easy. Yeah. It's floor trim. It's the trim down exactly. there. Right. It, Where and the it does. The wall meets the floor. And again, it just hides the gap. Right. That's its main point originally. And of course, there's practical. Other practical reasons, too. It protects your walls from getting well, kicked sure, or yeah. scuffed by the vacuum if you're one of those people who vacuum. I mean, everybody vacuums. 
just not as often as other people. If you're one of those people who vacuums. I vacuum a lot, and people think that's ridiculous. I love lines. No, no, I think vacuuming often is a good practice. I don't yeah. empty the vacuum very often. I like to see Oof. how full that oh, bag no. can get. Dan. <laughs> yeah, I, I know it's got to be oh. emptied when the dust is pouring out. No! Yeah. Anyway, so baseboards. Let's get back to the important stuff, Haley. How about base cap? Not base camp, base cap, which is what autocorrect wanted to do in my notes, but it's base <laughs> cap. And I, this was one where I was really dumb. I wasn't aware that this was out there. I didn't actually know it was called something different, but I've always known that I love it. I live in an older house, and when we were doing our design event, I wanted to emulate the trim that I've got going on. Great big trim in her exactly. old house. Super big. You know, you've got the normal baseboard, but then you've got this little nice finish piece that sits on top, and it adds a little decorative curve to where that trim meets the wall. That's base cap. And I had an old house, just like Haley did, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to emulate it in another room. And I didn't realize that it was multiple pieces that they used to make that happen. I could never find one great big piece that looked just like that. I was always bummed, so I cheaped out and went with something else. If I had known about base cap... I could have duplicated it exactly. Two separate pieces. Yep. So if you're trying to emulate that, that's what you're looking for. All right. How about chair rail? This one is surprisingly contentious. There were all kinds of fights <laughs> it's very on the internet, in forums, <laughs> amongst people I've talked to. But anyway, we can all picture what chair rail is, right? It's generally maybe two to three inches thick. It runs around the room, uh, basically about three feet up from the floor. Let's say that's generally what we picture when we right. think about it. And sometimes it's used to top wainscoting. Yeah, and I think often we see it in the dining room. Mm-hmm. You know, that's usually where it's living. All right. So the whole idea behind it, we think, is to protect our walls from our chairs. Right. And from furniture that gets moved around. Exactly. Well, the thing is, that's not the case at all. Really, the whole point of chair rail initially, and this goes back all the way back to the ancient Romans and the mm-hmm. Greeks, it was really there to divide the walls into pleasing proportions. It's yes. not even referred to as chair rail until recent times. It's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's really all about the visual, and that's the point of it. And another thing that's interesting about chair rail, I wish we had more time to just camp on this, but we don't. Another thing that's interesting, though, I talked about the height being about three right. feet. And that's actually probably the wrong height. You know, if you look around or ask people, that's what you'll get as an answer. Mm -hmm. It should actually be about 28 to 32 inches from the floor. That is the proportion that's going to give your room the best look. You go too high, it's going to make the walls, make the whole room feel a little more squat. You're like breaking the rules of those proportions at that point. And yeah, the math of beauty is very interesting. We could do like a whole segment on that. We could. We should. Window sills and window stools. We've got 30 seconds. We told you that you're probably doing these wrong. Window sills, we think of those as the little ledge inside the house. Mm-hmm. Nope, that's not it at all. The windowsill <laughs> is that little ledge outside. On the inside of your home, that's called a window stool. It's where we're putting all of our junk that we don't know where else to put. Right, and it's decorative. Outside, it's practical. It yes. protects the windows and the home from the elements. Inside, just decorative. But window I'm sure stool. most people are getting that Had wrong. no idea. Anyway, that's all the time we've got. I wish we had more. But we don't. We don't have an eternity to keep telling you stuff, and I'm sure you wouldn't listen for an eternity, even if we did. Well, they might. I can't imagine. If, you, if you're one of those people that would listen forever, <laughs> I probably don't even need to meet you. It's just <laughs> a little weird. Anyway, whatever you do today, make sure paint's a part of it. All of the Repcolite stores are open and waiting to help. I'm Dan Hansen. I'm Haley Johnson. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.